You are listening to a podcast from Influence Church. We hope it encourages and empowers you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Enjoy the message. You know, when, when we've been doing Vision Month uh, this month, hopefully there, it, nothing is a shock to you. Uh, hopefully it will be fresh, but not new. Uh, you know, when, when I preached this message in Workington last week, uh, Nick got up on the end and, and basically said what I just said. He just said, well, you know, that, that's nothing new for us here in Workington. It's like, cheers, Nick. You know. A few hours of prep and everything, but 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 actually, when I reflect on it, it it's true. It, 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 what I'm going to preach today, if you've been in church for any time at all, isn't new. But I'm hoping we can receive it fresh today. Uh, and and you know, I, I when I reflect on the life of Jesus and that he he largely only preached one message, the kingdom of God, for for three years, and it's that message that we still preach today. It's, it's that that we take our vision from. It's, it's that that we as a church are built on. The, the desire to, to see people come into the kingdom of God, to be the kingdom of God here on earth, to be God's hands and feet, to see transformation come. It's that message that's been carried from the days of Jesus through to the present day, probably carried well by some, probably mishandled very badly by others. But it is a message of change, a message of transformation, a message that brings hope, a message that reminds us we have a seat at the table. It is a message of transformation for generations and generations. And we have the privilege to carry that message to our world. And, 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 you know, when I think of our role as Christians, it is to both direct people to and to display the kingdom of God. Like if we can get on board with those two things, if we, if we can move away from all the, the policies and all the, the things and structures or whatever, the things that we put in place, it comes down to those two things, to direct people to and display it through our lives, the kingdom of God. Uh, in a hope that we may see change in other people. The change that we have seen through God's power working in us, that we would bring that to other people. I love where Paul says in Philippians that the, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but it is of power. Uh, and often, sometimes as Christians, we can be guilty of doing the good talk, but actually our role as Christians is to display it is to display the power of God to people that don't know God. And I, I, I was thinking of people who aren't Christians. And, you know, I, I don't know what we tend to call them. Perhaps we call them the unchurched. Uh, or perhaps we call them the unsaved or, or whatever. But the, the premise of this message is actually looking at what Jesus called people who were not yet in his kingdom. And Jesus uses a beautiful word to describe them. And I'm hoping that, like I said, this may not be new for us, but I'm hoping that it may set our minds afresh on us reaching our world today. Because the word that Jesus used to describe people who weren't yet in his kingdom was a beautiful word called lost. It wasn't unchurched. It wasn't unwashed. It wasn't, un you're an unclean brother. It, it wasn't 
It wasn't any of that. It was this word lost. And what I love about the word lost is it, it firstly means that someone has lost it. So therefore it has an owner. Uh, and it, it's, it places value on something. You know, I don't know if you've ever lost something or you, you've, uh, and it might not even mean much, um, you know, materially, but it's sentimental value to you. It can't be described. Or, you know, you see people put posters up because they've lost their cat or, or whatever. And, you know, we were, our cat is worth 50 quid to us, if you can find it. And, and, and you're thinking that, like, you know, I've seen your cat on, on, the, on the side of Gillian Road. It's not good news. But, um, but, but, but um, you know, we, we place value on things that are lost because they are important to us. So therefore, when God describes people who aren't yet in his kingdom as lost, he's saying, I place value on them. They have an owner, and it's me. They have a father, it is me. They have a carer, that is me. And you think of the, the value that God placed on them was to send his only son to die on a cross for them, then that, that is far more than 50 quid for your cat or whatever else. That, that is immeasurable value placed on lost people. But yet we, we as Christians sometimes come with our moral high ground of, you know, we, we, we are the church and, uh, and we, we have these preconceptions of people who aren't in church, that they are, they, they're one, they all hate God, <laughs> you know, they, they all actively hate God because they've chosen not to be with us today. Um, they all know that they're running from God um, they, they all must be like eaten up with the thoughts of eternity daily and everything. And I, I've come to the realization that actually this isn't true. Most people are just having a good life, enjoying life to, within the boundaries that they know exist. Uh, probably having a good sin and feel sorry for us that we're not, you know, the, the, but, but, but there, the, there isn't that awareness that they are even lost. And, and Jesus preaches, uh, tells these three stories in, in Luke chapter 15 in the Bible. Um, and I was going to try and actually read from, from, you know, the proper Bible today instead of off the, uh, off the iPad. Um, but the words are a lot smaller, so uh, we'll see how we, we see how we go. But in, in Luke chapter 15 in the Bible, J- Jesus tells these three beautiful stories of three things that are lost. A sheep a coin, and a son. And um, the, it comes off the back of uh, Luke chapter 14, where, where Jesus has been t- telling some great stories. And, and the final part of that is fairly hard-hitting, the cost of being a disciple. And he's talking about commitment and, and things. And uh, it's interesting that uh, at the start of Luke chapter 15, it, it says that all the sinners and the tax collectors, they drew near to him. They, you, you think when he... When he <coughs> Sorry, I am, uh, um, <clears throat> yeah, I am suffering slightly today. Um, um, I might just have to go and give it a big cough. And then, um, <clears throat> but um, when, when Jesus is, that can be edited out the podcast, can't it? Make, make me seem more seamless. Um, <clears throat> when, um, this can be fun actually. When, when Jesus, um, what are we saying? So in, in, Luke, in Luke chapter 14, Jesus has kind of gone hard. And then 
Luke chapter 15, it says the people that drew near to him were the unlikely people, basically. You know, when, when he's saying this is the cost of being a disciple, the people that draw close to him are, are the ones that um, aren't allowed to draw close in any other um, religious setting ever. But yet they are drawn to what he is saying. Just not just because of what he is saying, but because of who he is. And, and it, it's interesting that the religious leaders at the time um, begin to make a statement and say, you know, that this man hangs around with sinners and tax collectors uh, and he eats with them as well, you know, just, just to make it even worse. He, he eats with them as well. Uh, and Jesus' direct response to that comment tells these stories. Uh, as a direct response to their muttering of, of look at these people, you know, he, he's hanging around with them and they're unclean. Because uh, at the time in society, at the time of Jesus, Society was broken into two categories. You were either righteous or you were unclean by, by the religious people of the day. So there was no help for the ch from the church of the day for anyone who was, as we would describe, lost to ever be found. Because uh, often the, the church of the day wouldn't even preach to the unclean because they were unclean. So therefore, there, there was no system ever for people to ever break out of cycles and addictions or anything be, be, until Jesus comes along and, and, and actually begins to open up and welcome these people and they begin to flock to him in their thousands uh, as, as, we, as we see in scripture. In, in Luke 15, when he tells these stories as a, a direct response against that, uh, against the people who have kept them at arm's length, he says this. He says, now the, the tax collectors and sinners were gathering round him <coughs> Sorry, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. And um, we've, this story isn't probably a shock to many of you. We'll have heard this story before. And growing up, I grew up in a very rural place and uh, there wasn't a lot of human contact. But there, <clears throat> Oh dear. But there was sheep. And um, <coughs> there was sheep. Oh, man. Um, and, and, and sheep, I have learned, one thing about them is they are thick, okay? <laughs> Incredibly. You know, and the thing with sheep is the fact that this sheep has got lost probably isn't a shock to anyone because sheep are forever getting lost, uh, forever having to get them out of the cattle grids, or they get their, their heads stuck in fences. You know, they can even jump walls despite the rumors. Um, so, so the fact that this sheep has wandered off is probably no shock. Because, But I don't think the sheep would have ever looked at the rest of the sheep <clears throat> and said, you know what, I've had enough of you lot today. I'm going to wander off. I'm going off on my own. I, I, I don't think that happened. I think from my knowledge of sheep, is it just got preoccupied with eating grass, before you know it, it's in danger. 
It's separated, it's lost, it's on its own, uh, and has probably no awareness it is even lost until perhaps the shepherd comes, reunites it with the rest of the flock. And, and I was thinking that there's so many people in life, they, they, they haven't got lost on purpose. That actually they've just been preoccupied with life. And just getting on with life, like say, having a family, having a job or whatever. And often as a church, we can look and say, well, you know, they definitely hate God or they're, they're, they're making an active choice. But for some people, they're just totally preoccupied. Like, they won't have any idea that this is even taking place in this room today or that people, um, uh, uh, you know, living a different way of life because they are just going about their life. And perhaps until the moment that they meet the shepherd, will have no awareness that they even were lost. Yeah. And, um, and so, so that, that's the first story, the, the preoccupied in life. And the, the second story, um, Jesus talks about the parable of the lost coin, which is uh, the one that doesn't often get preached as regularly as the others. I don't know why, because it's a lot shorter. So we, <laughs> it says this, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends, her neighbors together, and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over the sinner who repents. And um, this, this is interesting. Obviously, the, the woman in the story is meant to be like God, who, who's, who literally... Light, lights the room and um, sweeps the, the rug uh, and everything until, until uh, the coin is found. But when I, I was reflecting on it, what, when you actually think about when you lose a coin or when we lose a coin, what happens is we misplace that, don't we? Uh, it, it's been mishandled somewhere along the way and then it's found. I don't know if you've ever lost a coin uh, some of you are that tight that you will light, light the lamp and get the rug out and try and hoover it up, go through the, the, the innards of the Henry Hoover in, in order to find that, that coin. That is some of you. But, but I, I was thinking the coin has been mishandled and throughout generations there are people who have been mishandled in life, by life. You know, I, I don't know if you've ever watched any programs on serial killers I don't recommend it, but um, <clears throat> it's quite insightful in the sense that you realize that often what has led them to be like they are comes from trauma, yeah. comes from mishandling of parents or guardians or people who should have known better. And often we can look at someone and say that that person is a monster, but actually it, it goes far deeper than that. And there are people throughout this town who have been mishandled for years and years and years. And we have a job as the church to, to actually look for the mishandled uh, and, and to be the people who will light the lamp uh, and uh, sweep the rug in, in order for them to realize that they have an owner and a carer. They may have been mishandled. They may seem lost, but actually they are loved and they are cared for. And... But the, the coin itself has no awareness it's lost, obviously because it's a coin. But if you think of the people in our town who have been mishandled, probably have no awareness that they are lost. They just think this is as good as life gets. And there will be people, and I don't use this term lightly, there will be people who are living a horror show of a life. 
thinking that that is as good as it gets because of the mishandling of other people or of life or whatever. Maybe us, some of us in here were terribly or have been terribly mishandled. And it was only when you had the realization of God and his love that you realized that there was so much more to life than that. And then the third story, the story of the son, is probably the one we, we know maybe, maybe the most. Um, it says this in Luke 15, 11, from verse 11, it says, Jesus continued, it says, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to the father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together. All he had is set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he spent everything he had. There was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, and I guess that's what makes him different to the coin and the sheep, because like we said, sheep are thick and coins are coins. But the, the son was different that he had the awareness to come to his senses. It also, obviously, from what we've read of the story so far, gives the, gives the sense that he was in the father's love and in the father's care and removed himself from it. So it's not that he was just preoccupied. It's not that he was just mishandled, but he, he's made a decision to, to step away. And it says this, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to the father and say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And for time, you know, I'm just going to leave it there. But what you need to know, if you don't already know, is they are reunited. The, the father runs to the son, breaking all the social uh, norms or etiquette of the day and runs to his son, embraces him, uh, puts a ring on his finger, puts a robe on him, puts some sandals on his feet, uh, kills the fatted calf, and they have the party of the century. Because as the father quotes himself, this son of mine was lost, but is now found. He says he was dead, but is now alive. And, and uh, I was thinking that, you know, the son is different because he came to his senses. But I think, and I hope I'm not simplifying this too much for us. I, I think what led him there was a miscalculation of how things would go. You know, when he asks for his part of the money, asks for these, his father's state, estate to be divided up, his, his father doesn't say, well, from what we can read, doesn't say no. He, he says he divides it up and gives it to him uh, and sends him on his way. And perhaps he had the idea that he might be the next big businessman or whatever. But miscalculation, to simplify it, meant that he ended up in the pig pen. He'd blown all the money. He'd miscalculated perhaps what life was about uh, and it ends up going bad for him. Like, I'm sure there's many of us in this room who have miscalculated how we thought things would go. There's many times I've had conversations with people and miscalculated how they would go. Like, I got that wrong. Um, 
But to, to even be more spiritual, that, that there are so many times in my life where I've miscalculated what life is about. Or I've miscalculated where I thought God was leading me. Or I, 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 I remember as, as a teenager, definitely feeling a bit like this son and um, would resent the care of my parents and, uh, and actually wanted to make my own way and would make my own choices. Um, you know, because I, I thought that they had rules, whereas actually they didn't. They had boundaries of protection around me. But, but I, would, I would walk uh, away and do my own thing until I realized I had made a major miscalculation. Actually, there is, there is no more to life outside of experiencing Jesus Christ. The, the, he, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Uh, and there was a major miscalculation. And maybe people in this room have miscalculated and walked away and they thought that they knew better or, or they, they thought that they didn't need the church or they, they thought that they, they knew enough about God that they could go out on their own and, and then they end up maybe in a, a wrong relationship or living life and thinking, I have majorly miscalculated this. Well, you have a choice in a miscalculation to do two things, don't you? You either stay in the pig pen or you return to the father. And what I love about the story of the son is he returns to the father. Uh, and, you know, our encouragement for, for anyone who maybe doesn't feel like they are right with their relationship with God at the moment is don't remain where you are, but know that there is a God who loves you and cares for you. And, and I, I think when it, obviously this message isn't so much about us, but giving us awareness of people who aren't in this room, that there will be people who left this church or stepped away supposedly from their relationship with God just through a miscalculation of thinking that life was about something it wasn't. That, and, you know, so, some of my points, without spoiling my points for later on, one of my points is no one wants to be judged when they're lost. Uh, and actually, we've got to make sure as the church that, that we, we're not condemning these people. We're not saying, well, we knew it. You're stupid. But actually, we, we, we're there ready to run to them and love them and embrace them when the time comes. Um, come on, let's keep going whilst my voice sounds okay. Let's not stall this. I, I've, I've just got four points to share. Uh, and and um, the, f the first one is this. Hopefully off the back of everything we've seen already or what I've already said is this. Point one is people don't get lost on purpose. The, the, uh, and perhaps you needed a reminder of that or we need a reminder of that. That, that no one, I don't think, intentionally gets lost. Uh, and perhaps, you know, instead of assuming that the people are all anti-God or whatever, we actually can assume that if people don't get lost on purpose, then perhaps they are open to new directions. That perhaps that they're not completely against the idea, they just have no awareness of the idea, and therefore they might be up for someone coming and saying there is a different way to live. You know, I think when Jesus walks past and sees Zacchaeus in the tree, um, when most of society, I mean, the fact he's in the tree is because he didn't feel welcome um, with the rest of society because of his job. But, but Zacchaeus, from what we know of his life, was just preoccupied with life, cheating people for money. Uh, and um, and it, he was like, had this money obsession, probably didn't have an awareness he was lost. 
had an awareness he wasn't welcome or he didn't fit in. But it's only when Jesus comes and says to him, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house for tea. Or, you know, for want of a better term, that's what he says. I'm I'm coming for some scran at your house. It's only then that he has that awareness that he's lost and, and begins to tell Jesus how he's cheated everyone and what he intends to do about it. It's like when, when Jesus sees him, then, then there's transformation. When he sees Jesus, he has this awareness. But he's just preoccupied with life. You think of the poor, as I've already tried to mention today, although I was in the middle of a coffin fit. The poor in Jesus' time were terribly mismanaged and mishandled by the church of the day. Um, uh, and it's only when, you know, when Jesus came around that actually they, they began to realize that, that God loved them and was open to them, that they, they were deemed as the, the unclean as compared to the righteous. And actually Jesus says in Matthew 21 that the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the sinners are getting in ahead of you into the kingdom of God because they were understanding his message. And you think of, there's a rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10, and you'll know that the story doesn't end great with this guy, because um, he, he, he basically miscalculates what life is about, thinks it's about money. He says he's obeyed the law, uh, and he's obviously loaded, because uh, they call him the rich young ruler. There aren't many rich young rulers that are skint. Um, it's, it's in the name. Uh, and, and Jesus says to him, the, the one thing you've missed, the one thing you need to do is go and sell all your stuff. And it says the, the boy walked away disheartened and downcast because he said he had a lot. That's what it says. But, but I love that in the midst of that miscalculation of what life was about, it says this, Jesus looked at him and he loved him. And I love that. Yeah. Looked at him, loved him told him the honest truth. Lad didn't accept it. But, but with, within, within that, the, w- w- there, there's, there was a sense that these people aren't getting lost on purpose. There, there's, there's things clouding their mind, the vision. They're, they're preoccupied. They've been mishandled. They've made miscalculations. Uh, and for us as the church today, it is important that we have an awareness that, that perhaps just because people aren't on, in here doesn't mean they've made an active choice not to be here, but they are just preoccupied with life and perhaps they may be up for new directions. You know, my second point is these people are often lost with, with no awareness. Yesterday, um, I was in Sainsbury's in, in Penrith and I bumped into someone I'd not seen for 12 years. He was someone who was like a PE teacher at our school, um, but I had a bit more of a, a friendship with him outside of that, it sounds really inappropriate, doesn't it? But, um, um, but um, I used to kind of, we used to run a football league together and I'd not seen him for, for 12 years uh, because he'd moved down to Devon and he saw me and I saw him and um, he said, I have been looking for you for the last two years. I have been looking high and low and I had no awareness, I was lost. You know, I'm thinking, well, I, I've been here. <laughs> but... Uh, and I, I, it, was, it, was, it was interesting. It was a really good conversation, actually, to find out he, he now lives like two miles from me. Um, but but it, it, it was funny because um, I had no awareness. I don't know if you've been driving ever with, without a sat-nav, you know, because sat-navs are cheating. If, you, if you've ever been driving without a sat-nav and, and suddenly, um, you know, the, the car doesn't ever say, that, that left turn there, that scuppered you. 
you know, it, it, it's only when you, you get to somewhere that's perhaps called Scrutton instead of Scorton that you have any awareness that you're lost. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I know that from personal experience. Um, and, and, and people in life, you know, the, the sheep didn't know until the shepherd. Um, the coin didn't know until the, it, the woman found it and placed it back with the other coins. The son didn't know until the pig pen. You know, and, and contrary to, to whatever we may think as Christians, that, that, that there are that many people in life who have absolutely no awareness they are lost. The third point is this. It is difficult to trust a stranger for directions. Um, a few, maybe a few months ago, me and Hannah went for a walk um, up uh, in, the, in the Lake District up a hill. And uh, we... we we got asked by a bloke for directions. And um, he said, do you know the way to a place called Frelkeld? <laughs> and uh, I chimed up, what you want to do is you want to go here and you want to go there. And, and he's obviously looking at his map. He's questioning me. And I, and I, but I'm staying true to where I'm going until I see him walk on the path that I, I've said. And then walk away, get away from him and say to Hannah, do you know what? I have no clue. I said, I, I said, I have never been. But I did say, but I am confident. Yeah. But, but you know, it's hard to trust a stranger for directions, especially if that stranger is me and that do, does things purely for amusement. But I don't know if you've, you've ever met a stranger like me and you're thinking, I know far more about what I'm asking them, although they have claimed to live here their whole life. Uh, and do you know what? Uh, We've got to make sure that as Christians that, that actually we know what we're talking about. Yes. That it isn't like, oh, we got this blase. That, that actually, you know, we, we have a testimony uh, and we, we can share that testimony with people of what God has done in our life. That because believe me, there, there will be people who aren't in here that are strangers to you but are perhaps interested and we'll know far more than we'll think. They, um, and we've got to make sure that, that we, when they come and talk to us, aren't giving them, like, uh, pushing them away. Oh, I think it's somewhere over there or whatever. You, you know, we, we need to make sure that we actually know what we're talking about. And, and I think it is hard to trust a stranger because it is so much easier to trust a friend. I don't know if you've ever been driving and you're lost and you, you're trying to weigh up who's the best normal looking stranger who won't stab you, nick your car, um, or doesn't look thick. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. And you keep driving and you keep driving. No, not them and not them and not them. Okay, we've got to someone. And they just say, sorry, mate, I'm only visiting. And you're like, ah, oh, come on. But, but it is far more easy to trust a friend than it is. And I love that it says about Jesus, it says he was a friend to sinners. We've got to make sure as the church that we don't save all our Christian living for inside these four walls, that actually we are friends to sinners because it is so much harder to trust a stranger for directions than it is a friend. And when we are in people's lives and when we love people, that no matter if they are lost with absolutely no awareness, perhaps they will take our word for directions, that we perhaps have been there before, we know where we're going, that we are able to both display the kingdom of God and direct people into the kingdom of God. 
And you know, that, that has been what God has been stirring on my heart for this next season of us in Penrith is that we would be people who both direct and display to the kingdom of God. But if people have no awareness of who we are and we're not in anyone's life and we don't um, socialize with anyone outside of this group in here, then we can never expect this group to ever grow or change or multiply because we keep limited what God wants to do in us and through us. And it's absolutely, you know, it is so crucial that we display Christ in such a way that people feel trusted and safe to choose us as, as it were, their preferred stranger or their friend. My, my fourth point, and it is my final point, is this. I've already alluded to it, is when you're lost, you don't want to be judged for being lost. And I don't know when, if you ever have wound the window down to someone and said, I'm looking for wherever. And they're like, you idiot. You're not even in the right county. You're not in the right country. Starts with a plane and you need to, no. But, but you, know, you know those like... Um, like you, you are miles from where you need to be. No, no one likes that. You know, when, when the good Samaritan found the bloke who was beat up, he didn't say, serves you right. It's a good job he didn't, otherwise he'd have been called the bitter Samaritan or, or the nasty Samaritan. And you think of Jesus on the cross with the thief next to him who's asking for literally life-changing directions in those moments. And Jesus didn't say to him, serves you right. He says, today you will be with me in paradise and I, I believe that there are moments like that though, though, where it's easy and it's on the top of our the tip of our tongue because we are human to judge when actually we need to just love to display and to point and the other reason I, I brought this Bible today is because I, I just wanted to show you this that Gen- Genesis chapter 3 in the Bible it's not very far in it says this, the fall of man. It's only that far in. By this point, we're lost. But all of this is about how we get home. This is how we can direct and display the kingdom of God, how we can bring transformation. And this is also every staff (laughs) retreat um, run sheet uh, that we've ever had um, as well. But but you know, by Genesis 3 in the Bible, things have gone horribly wrong. We, we all know, hopefully, what it is like to feel lost. And I'm hoping that as a group of people in here today, we know what it is like to be found. And, and we know the joy and the satisfaction that we have in Christ alone. And you know, my heart is that we wouldn't keep that to ourselves, but we would be stirred as a group of people in here to actually be motivated to be the change, to see change, to see transformation in our community. And hey, we're just going to stand to our feet and all I want to do is pray. And then if Ben wants to lead out however he wants to lead, but will, will you just open your hands as just a sign of, firstly of saying, Lord, I surrender my will to yours. But secondly, is a, I'm here with open hands. I'm ready. Yeah, thank you, Lord.
Lord, I thank you that we are found in you. Lord, I thank you that from all different backgrounds, from all different places, maybe preoccupied, maybe mishandled, maybe through miscalculations that we were away from you. Maybe with no awareness, Lord, but I thank you that we have an awareness of your great love. Lord, for some of us, it's hard to even imagine where we would be without you. And Lord, I pray that today we would imagine where we would be without you. And be so thankful that we are in your care and in your love, that we are known, that we are cared for, that we have a firm foundation to build from. And Lord, I pray today that you would give us a fresh perspective, fresh eyes to see the lost people in this town. Not the unchurched, not the unsaved, but the lost people of this town. The people you place value on. The people who you place so much value on that you've sent your son to die for them. Lord, I pray we would have heaven's perspective on them. I pray we'd have heaven's love on them. I pray that we would be stirred. Lord, I I pray that we would carry your burden for them. You are the God who would light the lamp and, and sweep the rug in order to find them. You are the God who would come running to them. You are the God who would leave all of us to go and find them. And Lord, I pray that we would have that heart. Lord, when we think of this town, Lord, I, I pray that that we would know that we are released to be the change in this town that you have put us here to be your hands and feet. Lord, I pray that we would be carriers of your presence in this room, into every classroom that we go, into every workplace, into every home, into care homes and military bases and Wherever else we may work, Lord, I pray we'd be carriers of your presence. Lord, our desire is that no one would be left behind because that's your heart, Lord, that we we would be who you need us to be. Lord, we, we are believing for revival in this town. We are believing for lives to be stirred and souls to be changed. And Lord, we are committed today to being part of the process. Lord, we want to be willing and able. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Influence Church. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Influence Church, empowering you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God.